be thinking about who you want to uh, invite and uh, you know, start talking to them about it. Tell them how much fun this, this thing can be. Uh, it's basically a, a model of exploring who Jesus is. What, what was his true identity? Why did he come and how should we respond? Uh, and it's, a, it's a, a forum where you can ask any question you want. You don't have to know anything about the Bible. Or you can just come and listen and just see what people are having to say uh, and see what the Gospel of Mark has to say about this. So please take, take a few. We'll print more and uh, we'll, we'll have those uh, uh, available. I also want to hence more of these out. Play, take as many as you would like. These are the Gospels of Mark. Uh, Gospels of Mark, Christianity Explored Edition. Please take one or two and pass them around. I have, I ordered 80 this week that came in. And as I've indicated in the past, the reason this is my favorite gospel track giveaway, it has about a dozen pages in here uh, as, as editorials. And it's designed for a person who's never read the Bible or knows very little about the Bible. Uh, it begins with uh, telling someone, you know, it has a page on page three. Read this first, and it tells you, tells the person a little bit about the Bible and the Gospel of Mark. Then uh, in the middle of the Gospel of Mark, right after chapter uh, eight, on page 27 and 28, it says, here's the story so far. It gives kind of a brief summary. And then on uh, page 28, it says, here's what comes next. It kind of clues the reader in to what to look for. Then at the end of the, of the gospel, it pulls it all together and it has, uh, it addresses the question, says, you know, uh, it kind of summarizes what they've read uh, and encourages them to consider, you know, coming to Christ for forgiveness and, uh, and repentance and making him Lord of your life. And even has a, has a prayer uh, in the back. I believe it has a prayer in here that someone could pray if they, if they want to respond uh, to Christ. So um, I, I buy these often. I know Will Ayers does the same and hands them out at the, his park ministry. And uh, many of you have used these uh, in the past as well. So uh, fairly in, in, inexpensive and uh, especially when bought uh, in bulk. So I would encourage you to, you can hand this to one of your neighbors that you're inviting to the class and hand them a, put a little invitation card in there and uh, give them something to, uh, to, to think about. So uh, let, me, let me start by uh, asking if any of you had a chance to go on to the six styles and take the little survey uh, that's uh, available in the first several pages. Did anyone able to do that? Nobody? <laughs> okay. Well, it'll take about 10 minutes. You can do that uh, sometime uh, this week. I would encourage you to do that. It, it's a questionnaire that uh, ask a series of questions. I think there are 36 questions. And uh, you then put those uh, across a grid. The six styles are a direct style, intellectual style, testimonial, interpersonal, invitational, and a serving style. And it, as you, it, it enables you to score yourself and you can kind of see what your natural style tends to be. The idea is that not everybody 
relates to people or engages with people in the same way. And this helps you to identify the strengths of your style and some things that you might think about, how to, how to strengthen uh, the use of that style. Because uh, everybody doesn't have, have the same style. What, what it will also show is that you may have, be a blend of two different styles. And that's kind of what mine showed. Uh, if, if, if you were one dominant style, the highest score you could get for one, uh, one uh, style would be like 30 points. Uh, just sharing how mine break out on this, it shows I, I score a 28 on the direct style or confrontational style, a 25 on the intellectual style, then it starts dropping down 18 on the testimonial style, but that says that I sometimes share, you know, what Christ, uh, some of the struggles that I had in coming to Christ and uh, what that was all about. Then mine drops down to 10 on the interpersonal style, uh, 9 on the invitational, and 10 on the serving. When I look at the serving, that's way too high of a score for me on that style, but I must have not been paying attention or something there. But it's important to know what our styles are and it helps us kind of have a freedom in being who we are and that's really the whole point uh, now our styles all of the different styles we don't change the gospel we help we all have the same gospel and the same message that we're communicating with people but we we approach people and relate to them in in uh, different ways so i'm going to walk us through and give some brief uh, descriptions of these styles uh, that's part of what is available in the handout section of the, of the Sunday School uh, section of our website. So you can find all of these summarized like I'm going to hit some highlights of here. So a direct style is a, a style that tends to be confident, bold, assertive, skips the small start, a talk, gets right to the point, has strong opinions and convictions. Uh, but there's some cautions that go along with that. Be sure to seek God's wisdom as you uh, uh, engage with people and apply it, you know, make sure you're, you're being respectful uh, and loving. Allow the Holy Spirit to restrain your desire to come on too strong. Yes, that's me. I have to really pull back uh, most of the time. Uh, avoid judging or laying guilt trips on, on people. Then some suggestions for developing this style. Ask friends for feedback. Uh, make sure you're having the right balance of, of how you're engaging the topic of the gospel or uh, engaging some individual. Be sure you're under God's guidance. Uh, challenge people to trust and follow Christ and, and trust Christ to, to use, use that challenge. Uh, it's, now for this, a person with a direct style, it's very important to listen to what others, others have to say. Someone with a direct style is very easy to just say a lot of, uh, of important things, but not, not do a good job of listening. Uh, so one with this style can, uh, can be more effective by developing some listening skills. And that's one reason why Randy Newman's book, uh, Questioning Evangelism, has been useful to me, uh, because he's really good at questions. You ask somebody a question, you think you're going to listen to it. So it's a good, it's a good habit to, to get into. Uh, and also team up with friends who have other styles, and that's one of the things that I've tried to do is I have some friends that have different styles and I find them very effective in evangelism. So I, I, uh, I, I watch what they do and observe how they engage people. And I've even been in a situation where I was needing to engage somebody. I think, okay, Lewis, 
Lewis would be very effective in this situation. What would he do? How would he approach it? And it really is effective to do that. You just can kind of envision your friend and how they engage with people. Um, and one thing that's true in developing every style is learn from others. And as I was just indicating, learn how to adopt uh, some of their uh, different styles and ways of doing that. So any questions about the direct style? Okay. Um, the intellectual style. And intellectual in, in this context doesn't mean someone that has a high IQ. Uh, it, it really is speaking to someone that's very analytical, likes to think about things, uh, to evaluate uh, content of scripture, for example, uh, to evaluate questions, uh, finds it very interesting to engage in different types of questions, enjoys hearing hard questions, and uh, is not afraid to, someone with a style, not afraid to, <clears throat> pardon me, is not afraid to receive questions that it may not can answer right on the spot. Uh, it just serves as a uh, as a uh, a lead in to a, a, another conversation later once a, a, an answer has been has been de, uh, de determined. So, hitting some of the highlights uh, of the traits, uh, people with an intellectual style tend to be analytical, uh, logical, inquisitive, likes to debate and discuss. Uh, and is interested in what people think and what they, uh, what they feel. Some of the cautions are avoid getting stuck on academic points that may not be the main point. Uh, remember that uh, attitude is very important. We're not just doing education when we're engaging people, but uh, bringing the right attitude and to avoid becoming argumentative. Uh, suggestions for developing this style have to do with uh, set time aside for study, uh, this style, possibly more than others, re uh, relies on preparation. Uh, and so uh, uh, you may want to compose some questions in advance of meeting someone. If you're meeting somebody from co with co for coffee and you want to try to uh, engage them in a discussion of the gospel, uh, have some questions prepared in advance. Uh, also for this, uh, this individual to develop the relational style, the in interpersonal side of things as well. Again, team up with friends, and I think it's true for every, every style that, uh, that anyone might have is, you know, learn from others, go to school on others. Uh, next, the testimonial style. Uh, traits of someone with a testimonial style, tend, they tend to have, tend to be a clear communicator. They tend to be a good listener. Uh, they, they are open and transparent to share their story of coming to faith in Christ, maybe some of the struggles that they had encountered. Uh, they tend to be really in awe of what God has done in their lives and uh, is very excited to share that and um, is able to relate their experience with someone that they're talking with or with a family member or with a friend that they, that they know. Some of the cautions related to this style, be sure to relate your experiences to life uh, with your friend. Uh, be a good listener, and that's probably true for every single style that we need to listen. Uh, 
And don't just get focused on your story. <laughs> it's easy to get wrapped up in uh, telling the, 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 the story which is exciting to you and should be, uh, but keep, keep it related to the gospel and keep it related to the person and to their experience. Uh, and also don't downplay, don't downplay the importance of your story. That, that, that's really important. And people can often relate to what you experience. Suggestions for using this style and developing it Practice your testimony. Uh, and I would encourage, write it out in an outline form uh, and, or, or just in bullet points, six or eight bullet points. Try to be able to condense it so you can hit the highlights of it in five minutes or so. It's almost like a long elevator speech, if you will. Uh, but it's a good discipline to just jot it down and uh, it, it, it enables you to put it into uh, a very short uh, message. So, uh, another key point is keep Christ at the center and keep the gospel at the center. And for people who like to use this style, it, it's really useful to relate what you may have struggled with in coming to faith. Uh, whether whether uh, it was, you know, whether you could accept whether Jesus was in fact God himself or uh, your struggle with repentance or you didn't want to have Christ as Lord of your life. So relate it to different aspects of the gospel. Uh, keep, keep, it keep it fresh. Think of uh, interesting ways to, to present it. And again, uh, adapt the styles of other people as well. Learn, go to school on, on other people who have different styles. The interpersonal style is somewhat similar to testimonial in, in one sense or in several ways. Uh, but this style, a person tends to be relationally warm, uh, very engaging with, in, uh, with people, very conversational, uh, and, and enjoys listening and hearing uh, about their story and what they're doing in life and, and those sort of things. Uh, and this, this style values friendships and takes advantage and leverages those friendships in a very good way. Um, some of the insights in terms of developing the style is, you know, the first bullet says, be patient. Uh, this style tends to work more gradually than possibly others. Although I don't know that that's true. I mean, I have a direct style and I, I, <laughs> it, it takes a long time, I think, with, with most people, regardless of where they might be. But so be patient, continually create uh, and plan opportunities in terms of interacting with friends, following up with friends and doing that in an effective way. Another suggestion here is practice telling the gospel message so that uh, you can have it in a condensed format and, and be able to present it in a, in a concise fashion. Then we go to the invitational style. This, these are people who are always inviting friends to come along to a church event or a, uh, whatever the case might be. They tend to be very hospitable, uh, persuasive, enjoys meeting new people, very outgoing, enthusiastic, uh, and looking for uh, good spiritual opportunities. Uh, this uh, style, the cautions with this style says, don't let others do all the talking for you. Uh, uh, engage your friends. Uh, don't be too laid back, if you will. Uh, carefully and prayerfully consider uh, which events to invite which of your friends to. Kind of match up the event with the perceived need that uh, your friends or family members may have. Uh, and don't get discouraged if people refuse your invitation. My, 
my uh, observation of people with this style is they tend not to be too disappointed. And, and they're, uh, they're always uh, out uh, engaging in that. Suggestions for developing uh, this style is when inviting people, try to get written details of, about the event into their hands. And we just, uh, I don't have that style, but I have put that down in writing for you. Uh, and I, I found it to be very useful uh, for sure. Uh, at events, mentally put yourself in the place of the other person that's come along with you to enable you to dialogue well after the event, see what they thought about it, uh, what they liked about it, or what they were confused by uh, about it. Uh, then offer constructive feedback uh, to the event sponsors uh, in terms of how your, how your friend, how your non-Christian non friend may have responded uh, within, that, uh, within that setting. And then the serving style. Uh, I think a lot of people have this serving style. It's an important style. And the traits of this style is people tend to be very patient. They tend to be other people-centered. Uh, they see needs. It's almost like they have this radar to identify needs that a person has that others may have not picked up on. Uh, they tend to show love through their actions and uh, express their concern and support of people through taking steps to help uh, to help other people, um, and and they they do understand how to value uh, these kinds of uh, interactions uh, with people. Uh, some of the cautions for this uh, this style are: remember that although words are no substitute for actions, actions are no substitute for words. So uh, this style needs to be prepared to. Uh, speak a word about the gospel or a word of encouragement or or word that uh, whatever this friend uh, may need. Uh, and so some of the, some of the suggestions for developing this style, find creative ways to communicate the spiritual motivation behind the service that you're doing. Help them understand uh, some of the drivers in your life, some of the ways that Christ has impacted your life and made you less self-centered and more focused on helping other people. That, that comes across, I think, in real uh, genuine concern. Uh, another suggestion, seek God daily for opportunities to serve others uh, with an eternal purpose behind it and, and embedded in it. Uh, so anyway, just several suggestions uh, from, from, that, uh, from that perspective as well. So any questions about styles? Any questions about styles? I would add another uh, mix to our styles. I think our styles are affected by our spiritual gifts. Uh, and I think it's useful to understand what your spiritual gift is and to apply your energies by using your spiritual gift. If you're using your spiritual gift, you're typically going to experience your maximum energy level your, 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 and your minimum fatigue level. Uh, if you have a spiritual gift of, of one thing and you're having to do it, the function of another, that can be a bit of a drain. Uh, and so I think an effective way to do that is approach whatever your task might be through your own spiritual gift and look at it through that, through that lens. There are several lists of spiritual gifts in Scripture. There are three that stand out in my mind. Uh, one is in Romans 12, 1 through 8. Uh, Paul lists seven gifts there. Uh, those seven are gifts of prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading or administrative type, and, uh, and mercy. 
So um, uh, there many people have one or more, maybe one or more of those. Another uh, significant passage on uh, naming of spiritual gifts is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, and some of those listed there are wisdom, knowledge, faith, uh, discernment, prophecy, interpretation, tongues, interpretation, and so forth. Then another passage on spiritual gifts is in Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. And these are more like the positional gifts, such as pastor, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, shepherds, uh, and such. That these, these are people who have these gifts and are given to the church and given to the body of believers. So uh, as you can see, if you have all of these different styles, different spiritual gifts, there's a wide variety of combinations uh, which, uh, which God has gifted his people with. And I think that's an outstanding, great thing because a person with a direct uh, style may not be able to reach some people that, are, that tend to be resistant to that style. And so a person with a serving style may can reach that person that has barriers built up in certain ways. So uh, this is why I, th I, I tend to uh, see the, you know, the, the task of evangelism within the body of believers as a team sport uh, because God will use you to reach somebody that others will not be able to reach. So it's a fascinating mix of how all of these things are, are put together and how God has created us. Uh, but I think it's important to recognize those differences. But like I've said earlier, we, none of us change the, the gospel content to suit our style. We, you know, the gospel content is, uh, is there. It's not amendable, uh, but we approach people using the different ways that we can relate to them. So any, any questions about that before we move to the uh, look at the pain line a bit? No questions here. Okay. Okay. All right. In the, in the pain line, if any of you have the... Uh, have the uh, book by Rico Tice, Honest Evangelism. He speaks often about the pain line in that book and gives some great encouragements to it, uh, to how to think about it. And for me, it's a, it's a very useful way to think about as we engage with other people. Uh, it's, it can be labeled a pain line or a truth line. And the idea is there are a lot of things that are easy to talk to other people about. We can talk to anybody about the weather. That's rarely offensive, although climate change can get into sensitive areas. Uh, sports, uh, unless, unless we're, Todd and I, our, our football teams are going against each other. We may not want to talk about sports that day, but um, you know, hobbies. Hobbies are generally pretty easy to talk about. Work life. Uh, these things are, are easy and uh, they're topics that we use to relate to people with, and so they're extremely important. But often when we, when we cross the pain line, when we talk about Christ, for example, we, we're moving into a little more risky territory. Or if we engage someone about the topic of sin, especially in our relativistic society where nothing's true, it's just whatever is your truth, uh, or judgment, or the cross, or wrath, or... Uh, 
Christ's call on every life, come and die and live. Uh, the Lordship of Christ, repent. These things can be a little more sensitive. And so uh, we want to uh, be prayerful as we cross the pain line. Uh, but we also need to know that we, we must cross the pain line at some point. Now, it takes discernment <clears throat> and uh, possibly some wisdom to know when to do that. But we want to do it prayerfully. But we know that we, we'll need to cross the pain line at some point in order to engage someone with the, with the gospel. Uh, but uh, one of the things that Rico has pointed out, when we think about moving into some topics like this, I've heard him often say, plan your escape route. Uh, if things really go south up here, <laughs> we're going north, but if we're going, if they go south metaphorically, uh, all right, just dart back below the pain line. I remember hearing him tell a story about being at a dinner party, sitting apart across from a lady who was not a believer, and he, he crossed the pain line with her, and he said she just lit into him, and it was just very uncomfortable. And he said his escape was, well, I just buried my head back in the chocolate mousse. And you, know, you just, you know, you, you, you escape and live to fight another day. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, I find that very useful. I find it very comforting <laughs> as, I, as I go to bring up the topic note. Well, I'll go back and we'll talk about the hobby or talk about work life or something like this and uh, keep, uh, keep, keep engaging people in that, in that way. And one thing I think is important to think about, and I've been giving a lot of thought to how to describe evangelism, what is biblical evangelism. Uh, and I think the best adjectives and descriptors for evangelism are three, and it's loving, respectful, and courageous evangelism. Courage is required in following Christ. It is. The Bible teaches that to us. Uh, there's no way around that. But the Holy Spirit gives us courage. Uh, one of the great fears I had when I became a believer was I, I, can't, I can't live this life. I have no, no power, no ability to do it. But I didn't understand the role of the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit immediately began giving me the ability to live the Christian life. The same thing is with courage. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives us that ability. And I think courage is not necessarily the absence of fear or the absence of nervousness uh, but it is the willingness to, to cross that pain line, uh, even if I might uh, receive a not-so-good reception. Uh, but one, one reception I get is probably the most common, and I've come to hate this response, and it's apathy. It's ho-hum. I, I don't really mean this, but I'd almost rather get beaten up a little bit. But apathy can be so, you know, just so frustrating and tormenting uh, at times. Uh, but there is a, and I mentioned this before, there is a, a wrong adjective, and that is sensitive evangelism. Yes, we want to be respectful. I think respectful is a more biblical descriptor than sensitive. Uh, because if sensitive is a biblical concept, then it, surely, it was certainly lost on the Apostle Paul. Otherwise, why did he get beaten up so much and run out of town and create riots? He was respectful and loving. And I think it's Acts chapter 19 where he nearly creates a riot at Ephesus uh, because he was being accused of blaspheming Artemis. And he did blaspheme Artemis, but respectfully. He said, there are no other gods than the creator God. <laughs> now the artisans 
craftsmen making all the, all the uh, idols, they knew exactly what Paul was saying, and they went and tried to start a riot. The town clerk gets up and says, no, no, he, did, he never blasphemed Artemis. I think implied by name. <laughs> but <clears throat> anyway, Paul had to, had to leave fairly soon thereafter. So Paul, so I, I don't like the word sensitive, and I've seen an author and others use that. But I do think loving, respectful, and courageous gets us to the point of where, uh, how Scripture would teach us uh, to deal with those, uh, with those topics. Any question about this pain line? Is that helpful, not helpful, or confusing? Uh, any comments? Yes, Matt. I think we often talk about um, does the pain line ever go away? <laughs> uh, is, is it always there? In other words, does it natural? Uh, yeah. Talk about, talk about that. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, and I'll, I'm going to read a quote from Rico and from his, uh, his book on honest evangelism. Uh, this is Rico Tice, who you'll meet this afternoon here tonight. He says, I find evangelism hard. I mean, that just blows me away. He's the most effective evangelist I think I've ever known personally. He goes on to say, the problem with being an evangelist is that people assume that you find evangelism effortless, but I don't find it easy and never have. For me, telling people about Jesus has often been nerve-wracking, but it has been joyful. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it does. It hasn't for me. Um, I, I think for me, I found it, I'm a little more confident with it because I've crossed it many times and I've received a variety of responses. Um, and I've never received any violence, although I did walk into a lady's office in Denver and invite her to a Christianity sport course. And steam immediately started coming out. And uh, I did as respectful of a retreat as I could possibly do. Uh, yes, Will. I think maybe contextual that there be Yeah. 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 Will is saying we for those if anyone's listening that the, you know con, con, to contextualize say the word again does that mean contextualize evangelism yeah put it within the right context and I would agree wholeheartedly with that as long as we don't we aren't afraid to speak the truth and lead to the truth. Uh, and so, yes, uh, we we need we do need to contextualize it. If you're uh, if you're uh, if you're witnessing to a, uh, a Muslim that there's a certain contextualization that you have to deal with. And so, I, I, I agree completely, uh, Matt. I was just going to say I think one of the reasons why also that we can expect the pain line to continue is that we are in a society where we're engaging in about we're engaging in the enemy has been so fierce. Yeah. Every time you approach this topic and you want to you know, share Christ, yep. you're going to be opposed. And yep. there's going to be fear. I've heard guys who have been at this for a long time say, you always have fear because I always have the enemy attacking me. So you're always going to have the enemy yeah. attacking you when you're about to do this. And so you can expect fear. So we shouldn't 
you know, be afraid of the fear, but yeah. just to recognize I'm, I'm, I'm approaching the, 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 the line of the threshold here, the war, the, the, yeah. you know, the battle line, essentially. Yeah. And so you're going to have that fear. And the enemy just is, is focusing his efforts on you at that point. So that's an encouraging thing to remember. Yes, we are in a cosmic battle. And when we approach that line with somebody, we are we are on the front lines, and uh, we should be prepared for that. And that's that's liberating in a very real sense. Uh, yeah. Todd, I think in the middle of all of this, we need to realize that we may never get over the pain line, but we can get better. Yeah. As you have more experiences, as people say something that you haven't thought of before that you think of it after and then the next time you hear it you, you're more comfortable with it you, you're more confident you know that I can I can deal with that yeah better. so there is a growth <laughs> yeah Todd is saying that the, the, the more we do this the better we can get and improve at it yes and, and to a large degree we can't really improve until we start making some mistakes out there or get hit with a question or response that you don't know how to answer to after a long overnight flight from, uh, I forget whether it was Miami or Houston, to Montevideo, Uruguay, uh, a seatmate, <clears throat> as we pulled up or pulling up to the gate, I began engaging him then. I'm terribly sleep deprived. Uh, and I hand him a gospel of Mark. He doesn't want it. And uh, in the conversation, he told me he, he's not sinned. He hasn't sinned. And I was just stunned. I had no answer. Uh, I can't wait to get that answer again, uh, question again, because I've got several options here. Uh, and so, but, you know, sometimes you don't get a second chance, but anyway, so don't be afraid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My first response a few days later was, I should have said, you are either pulling my leg or you're the biggest fool I've met in the last year. I don't think I'm going to pull that one out next time somebody says that to me, but, you know, you get kind of angry that somebody stumped you like that. But anyway, yes. Any other comments? Billy, yeah, uh, Ayer. I think we're talking about it from our perspective, but we're also uh, a viewpoint from the person you're engaging with or considering your... Um, yeah, I, yeah, uh, is you know, Aaron's saying, is there a, a viewpoint from the the other person's perspective that we should consider? And I think yes. I think I think it's captured with loving, respectful, and courageous. Uh, and and that we do need everything we say to people. We need to do it in love. They re they recognize where you you're doing this respectfully and that you care about them. I mean, they they just. They've got their own radar, and they're reading us, and um, I, I think that's the, the, big, uh, the big thing. And hopefully, they will say something that gives us some insight to know what they're thinking and how we can, how we can engage. So, yeah, I have something else to say, and I just flew out the, my brain. Uh, anybody, anybody else? Good, good comments, good discussions. Really along those lines of that last comment, um, I think something else that might be uh, in people's minds when we approach them with the gospel is that they, they lump this in with, uh, with other kinds of uh, quote-unquote opportunities that people bring them, right? Uh, 
feels like they're getting uh, recruited for something and uh, initially they would probably just as soon not have the conversation uh, in the same way that most of us wouldn't want to have that conversation if we know that where this conversation is leading is to an invitation to a business opportunity yeah. uh, and, uh, and we would just as soon find a way out of the conversation. Yeah. I think that's how a lot of people today probably uh, receive that initial approach. It's, yeah. uh, okay, what am I being sold here? What am I being co-opted for? And uh, I think we, we shouldn't let that scare us away from uh, bringing it up, but we should be aware of it as we do. Well, yeah. Not salesmen. Yeah, Matt's basically saying that uh, people feel like we're selling them something and that they're a target. Uh, we want to ring them up as a sale somehow. Um, yeah, Matt, I, I agree with that. And I, I think my approach, and everybody with a different style, you may have a different approach. My, my direct style tends to be to be as transparent as I can in explaining why I wanted to bring this up with them. Um, and I don't... Um, and. And I think in my transparency, I kind of resort to a testimonial component there. So this was something I found significantly important in my life. And it, in fact, is the most important thing anyone can ever consider. So it didn't go on from there. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The <laughs> yeah. The comment. The comment is that listening is very important, and I would say that's crucial to every single style, whatever your style is. Listening is important. Uh, no, no doubt about it. Uh, so yes, and listening, we 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 get clues of where people are, and then we can kind of focus. Uh, our discussion to whatever it might meet that need, uh, meet where they are, and or or even to challenge them with some of their what they're thinking. Uh, so yes, listening is critically important, and I'm not a great listener, but I, I'm better than I used to be. So that's, and maybe next year I'll be better than I am right now. So any other comments? Great. I'll pull us back if you do, but go ahead. Uh, that there's, you know, real Christians out there that actually are consistent with their testimony. 
And then, of course, she brings this up most of the time when I try to talk to her about this as a way to evade the personal element. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of talking about me, her, herself, am I a Christian or not, she can kind of talk about, you know, those Christians she knows out there that are good or bad or whatever. Yeah. That's not a tangent. That's a good example, uh, Craig. Uh, an example of someone whose context is they view Christians and Christianity and churches as being somewhat predatory. You didn't use that word, but taking advantage of other people. Uh, yeah, I, I, th I would think that's a fairly common response. Uh, I, I see that often. I think a lot of people have that view. Um, and I, you know, whenever I've had that response on a few occasions, I've said, yeah, there are some like that. Uh, and try to I've tried to empathize with them, uh, but then kind of move it to, you know, I'd love to explore what the real Jesus looks like. Uh, I think you'll find he's nothing like that. He doesn't condone that. He condemns uh, anything that is taking advantage of people. So try to just, you know, that would be a, uh, yeah, I think that would be. My, puts a lot of pressure on us as a church to with knowing people come with that background, you kind of have to be on your game to not give them the false impression from mm -hmm. their bad impression mm -hmm. they're going to come skeptical. Yeah. Oh, it is. Uh, no doubt that we as uh, as a church family need to be uh, we need to be representing Christ well. Uh, there's no question about that. And so we have to be very sensitive, uh, welcoming, open. And um, and all of those sort of things. So, yeah. Uh, JD. He was in a very politically divided culture. And I think we have to recognize there are a lot of restrictions for that that we're dealing with the culture we're in. And we make these careful in our word choice and yes. how we address things that they're certain things. Yeah. Actually, I had an experience recently of a Uber driver uh, who was attempting to share the gospel with me. Which I was appreciative when you have a wonderful testimony, but in the midst of this, he started rolling, weaving in a lot of political things, and I'm sitting there and thinking, oh man, you would have, yeah. the people in my life that I know, you would have just totally blown their mind and been unable to continue in conversation yeah. with. And so, this happens a yeah. weird start. Yeah, JD just indicated that there's some political landmines. That's my summary of what you're saying here. And J.D., I'm glad you raised that point. I try to avoid politics like the plague when I'm, when I'm engaging somebody. It may not be possible at times, but uh, our job, what Christ has charged the church with is not to reform society. We are to live as salt and light in our culture, uh, and we are to theoretically or have an impact, but he is... He has charged us with reforming individuals and uh, leading them to the redemption that is in Christ. So I, I, I try to avoid those, con those controversial issues as much as possible. Matt. Uh, two maybe comments specifically. I would encourage you to not use the word evangelical to describe yourself or our church. Not because amongst ourselves we don't know that that's who we are. Uh, and maybe a helpful way to describe ourselves to other believers, but uh, but it's become co-opted politically, yeah. so that um, many people outside the church hear evangelical, uh, and they, they there's an equation in their mind with make America great again, Trump, yeah. and that may be who you personally uh, support politically. 
but that's not what we're about as a church or the gospel is about. And so we start at a disadvantage if we tell uh, an unbeliever in our current American culture that we're evangelical. I, I tend to use different language to get the same thing. I'll say we're, we're sort of theologically conservative or traditional as a church. Um, something to suggest that, yes, we, we hold to Scripture. We believe that the Bible is true. Yeah. We're one of those churches. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to, yes. for that to be an awkward part of the conversation. Yeah. But evangelical puts us at a, an unnecessary disadvantage right now. Yeah, Matt is saying that there are certain words that are quite inflammatory. Uh, evangelical can be one of them, and I agree with that. Um, I, I, I think we must uh, check our religious language and jargon at the door. Uh, I, I don't use the word eschatology or anything uh, hermeneutics. I'll, I barely know what that means, uh, so I never use it anyway. But uh, check, check your language at the door. I like to use the word follower of Christ, and let's, let's examine Christ. Uh, we've got his word, which is God's self-revelation of himself. You know, we don't run from those kinds of things, um, but we, sh- we should be uh, sensitive in, in that way. And, yeah, all right, I'm, I'm out of, almost out of time. I've got three minutes to cover the next 15 minutes. So I'm going to leave you with a challenge. That's my confrontational style. Sorry, guys. I didn't gift me like I am, or I did distort me like I'm distorted. But uh, I want to ask you, how many of you have a how many of you have a hobby? Now I'm I'm for hobbies, so you can you can go ahead. I'm not going to pick on you. I have this little book by Winston Churchill. It's some title about art. But uh, the first chapter, which is a large part of the book, is uh, describing uh, why everybody should have a hobby. Mine is art. Uh, And so I I do think everyone should have a hobby. Uh, What are some of your hobbies? You have a hobby? Reading? What else? Matt, what's your hobby? (laughs) You like knitting? Uh, anybody else? What's your hobby? Cooking. Cooking. How much time did you spend learning that hobby? Years. I've had multiple hobbies. I could be a hobby addict. Um, photography was one of my hobbies. I went through my bookshelves in another room and counted how many books on photography I have. There were 14. Um, and when I was learning that hobby, I would just devour them and just go through all kinds of learning, all kinds of nerdy stuff about f-stops and how to place a tree just right in your, in your frame. And uh, it was such great fun. Uh, but it took a lot of time to learn. Uh, that was back when, and it was kind of expensive. That was before the digital age. So you had real film and real ex- developing costs. And so uh, you wanted to uh, move to the point where you were not not making so many mistakes as that could be quite costly. So I, since we have a limited amount of time, please look at uh, the seven-page document on the website titled Engaging Others. That's chapter 14 from the book I finished writing. It's probably the chapter that got very little vetting. Uh, I had three readers who read almost every chapter except that one, and I guess I was in such a hurry to kind of wrap it up. I was so fed up with writing the book that I just uh, kind of took a risk on that, but 
If you read it and you have some feedback, please give that to me. I, I would very much appreciate it. And I've asked all of my three readers, Matt Bonner, Jim Barnes, and uh, David Bond, my brother-in-law, uh, tell me what you liked in it and what you didn't like or what should be done better. So kind candor is welcome. Uh, but one of the things that I make a point of in here is that we need to have some personal preparation. Uh, invest some time. Do not be... Do not be negligent on this. It's so, so crucially important. Uh, learn how to do this. You can. I mean, it's, uh, it's doable. I do not consider that I have the gift of evangelism. Uh, I'm doing it. I'm active in it. I'm not great. I know people, most people I know who are active in it are better than I am. And, and that's okay with me. I learn from them. Uh, but invest some time in it uh, as we've talked about going through here. Uh, and that... Uh, that chapter that I put out there, it'll give some suggestions of what to do. It's got a suggestion of books that you can read uh, to, for your own preparation, as well as books for giveaway. Uh, giveaway giving a book away or, or tract away is a great way to start uh, in, in engaging other people because it's, it's a fairly risk-free proposition somewhat. Now, someone may say, I don't want it because I'm sin-free. I realize that, but it's... It's a, a fairly low risk proposition. So, okay, well, this concludes our five weeks of evangelism training. Uh, next Sunday, we will begin going through the course Christianity Explored. I will explain how that course works as we go through it. I haven't spent a huge amount of time doing so. Um, and I'm confident when you see the content, the quality, and the clarity of gospel presentation, you're going to want to bring a friend. Uh, to, to see this or to hear this. And so we'll get to experience it and, and live it out uh, over the next several weeks. So anyway, where time is out, let me close this in prayer here. Our Father, we thank you for the tremendous privilege you've given us. You've entrusted to us this message of reconciliation, the gospel message, and it is a treasure. It is an asset that we are to share and give away to others. Help us, Father, to have the courage, uh, the intentionality, the initiative uh, to be able to do this. I know it's hard. It's hard for me. I've got people I need to approach, and I know it would be difficult. And I ask that you would grant us an open door, Lord, uh, to be able to, to do this. And help us to, to learn and be brave enough to go through the learning curve and to continue that learning curve. Curve. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who empowers us. We thank you for Christ who leads us and guides us. Uh, we thank you for your tremendous promises of assurance of salvation uh, with you forever. Lord, we present all this to you and we present this evening as Rico comes and delivers a message and meets with us. Lord, we pray that you bring people here to be part of this. And we pray that you prepare our hearts to hear what he has to say. Uh, give him the uh, the endurance is like an endurance contest for him, being time change uh, challenged uh, here on just a day two. We pray that you'd give him the energy and the anointing to address us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.